I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hello, I am Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you flat out around the world of Formula One. And today we're looking back at the Miami Grand Prix. Yep, an interesting race with a lot to talk about. Exactly, Billy. So here we go then. It's time for us to lift the lid. So, Johnny weekend off for the pair of us we weren't actually out in miami so how did you spend it king's coronation a few things going on yeah well pretty much that really uh watched the whole coronation from not so i wouldn't say start to finish but basically to finish yeah um and then yesterday which was supposed to be on saturday there was a um a, a garden party that we went to in a barbecue and wearing hats and flags and stuff so stuff like that yeah i saw you in your hat mate you saw rocking it I was trying to trying to rock it, gave it my best shot. Uh, but I know I enjoyed the weekend actually. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. The whole I I love what what hap- what we do very very well in this country, which was to put on a show like they they did in London there for the coronation itself. But the most moving part, I don't know about you, the hip hip. Yeah, when they did it in the in the garden in Buckingham Palace Garden to 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 the King, that was awesome and well done. The military men and women who actually sort of made such a an amazing noise in London. Yeah, it was great to see. Obviously, a special Ross. occasion, something that doesn't happen too often. So, nope. uh, a cool weekend, and also in the background, whilst all this is going on back in the UK, Miami. You know, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Grand Prix. <laughs> We've gone free to talk about, mate. Uh, should we start off with our predictions? How we got on this time? And yes, where we ended up. Yeah, I, I can I remember th- yours, I, Johnny. I think I was one two. I got that right. Yeah. I can't remember what I said for third. I believe you might have said a George Russell. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I no, got the one sure. two right. I definitely yeah, got that I, right. I think you got the you got the one two right. I went first from memory. I put Hamilton third. I put I think I think I put Charles second, and I put Max Verstappen winning. I think so. And Williams, you put in there as well. Yeah, you yeah. had a quite a wacky. You had a <laughs> yeah. wacky one. I, I had a wacky one this weekend, <laughs> and it didn't did. pay off because we had our usual suspects at the front: the two Red Bulls and a Fernando Alonso back on the podium. So I think this one is probably leaning more towards you with the, getting the one-two right, mate. Yeah, I think so. 
I think so. The bold predictions didn't pay off. Maybe I need to take it back to basics from now on, i.e. two I Red Bulls and an Aston Martin, because it's been like that a lot of this season. It, it has, Billy, but it's quite it's quite strange, isn't it? We, we've seen the pace of that Ferrari, so I understand why you'd gone that way. I, I did it earlier in the season. I was going for the Ferrari. Then I know the upgrades were coming this week, and you went, ah, that hopefully will be actually better for Ferrari. That would give them a better chance of battling it out with the Red Bull. So I understand why we think that way. But it didn't happen again. Didn't again. happen again. No. Okay, pace in, in qualifying. Okay, Charles had his had his crash, which we'll discuss. But the pace was there. But then in the race, it was nowhere. Absolutely nowhere, which is quite a... a it's got to be a worry for Ferrari. But it's it's annoying for us. <laughs> yeah. We want, them, we want them to do well because it's going to help our predictions. Yeah, if it was like Mission Impossible to get one of these predictions right at the minute. But <laughs> like I say, maybe maybe we need to reassess our... I our, think we uh, do. I think we do. go-to options and start, you know, picking a Red Bull 1-2 with someone else on third. And that might, you know, get us the W. We might get it all right. So should yes. we start off with Red Bull, mate, when it comes to yeah. actually what went on this weekend in Miami? Well, I think the first point to talk about is Max Verstappen. What did you make of that Sunday drive, mate? Because it looked like this could be a weekend where he'd lose points to his teammate, you know, Sergio Perez in the championship. Well, he definitely uh, put in a performance to prove that wrong, didn't he? Well, he did. You know, after that mistake at Turn 7, I think it was, which uh, he had to sort of abort uh, that lap, which then enabled uh, his teammate Sergio Perez, who had done the best lap until Charles Leclerc had obviously thrown the, thrown the car in the wall and the red flag came out. But it was, I suppose it's what you expect from Max because it wasn't sort of something he just, he flew past everybody, got in front of Sergio and sort of went, it, went off in the distance. And he did say it actually before the race, got to take my time and really just pick off the, pe- the people at the right time. You've got to look after your tyres at the, at the same time. And my, my, my. Did he do that? And it was it was stunning to watch because that that's the ex, the enjoyment and excitement I always got when I was in a cockpit of a car. But to actually see it from someone else who just has this seventh sense and ability to just place the car in the perfect perfect um, part of the corner on the exit of a long straight just for example but then the break in the stability that he seems to have with the car his feel with the car his ability to sort of not outbreak himself it's always it's always a perfect overtake the whole way through so for me it's it's quite scary i think for everybody else to see that because you know i, I keep on saying it we still haven't seen the best of Max Verstappen <laughs> to do what he did at the weekend. That is a scary point it to is. make, Johnny. Yeah. And he just won the Miami Grand Prix from ninth yes, exactly. on the grid. That is That's scary. scary. But I think I think the point you mentioned there about, you know, how he took his time getting through the pack, that's important to know. But also, he wasn't losing a lot of time to Jacko whilst getting those overtakes whilst done. Whilst doing it. No. Yeah, that's what was impressive for me. You know, you think from ninth on the grid, by the time you navigate your way through that traffic in between, you and... And Checo, you think, oh, Checo will have a nice sort of 10 second, 15 second buffer. Well, and you know, yeah. that's going to be like sort of race over as such. It'll be maybe Max chipping away, but Checo sort of can control the pace of that sort of gap. But it didn't end up like that whatsoever. I think it was like five seconds the gap. It was, yeah. Less by the time it got through everything. Yeah. And when he was coming through, it was only about five, four to five seconds as well. Yeah. yeah it just kept that sort of 
four to five second lap. I think it was after about four or five laps, I think it was, there or thereabouts. Do you think that was Max being just good with traffic or do you think Checo was leaving a bit of too much margin on the table, get maybe a bit too comfortable? Well, interesting you say that. To me, you know this as well. When you get in, in into the lead on the start of a race, you've got free air. You've got the track to yourselves. You're not really having to worry about who's behind you if it's Fernando Alonso yeah. because you know you've got the quicker car. I expected the gap to extend way, way, way quicker than it did. And like you right, like you rightly said, Max's four or five seconds was was always there. He never went away. You would expect him to get at least five seconds, of, you know, advantage compared to where he ended up at the end of the at the end of the race with the pit stops. It should have wait. It should have been ten seconds. Actually, I say it's ten seconds. Yeah, like I say, I think. I think if he had that extra five seconds, mate, it would have made a difference, wouldn't it? Not only just from, you know, being further up the road with Max having more work to do, but I think just, I don't know about you, but I've been in a position, you know, racing where you've, you know, come through a bit of traffic and you see the car in front of you. And, and if you can see the car in front yeah. of you in the distance, you've all of a sudden, you've got a target and it gives you that little bit of extra motivation. Well, if Checo has another five seconds and he's a little bit out of, out of touch and you can't really see down the road enough to get proper eye contact on the back of his car then all of a sudden you feel like you sometimes you could feel oh well that moves never it not never going to happen but it's all of a sudden it's a much bigger thing and you feel like it maybe drops your motivation a little bit i think the fact that by the time max navigated all that traffic he could see the back of Checo's him. car yeah that could just see him. clicked him into gear yeah and i get it's one of those things it's we know Checo's very very good at looking after his tires we know he's able to sort of pace himself very, very well. But the pace it wasn't there at all. Now, why wasn't yeah. it there? Because Max had the ability to sort of pick his way through. And then when he needed to push, he was able to push. Remember when he was getting fastest laps before he pitted? Yeah. Tyres that were sort of basically worn out was unbelievable. It's like Lewis Hamilton spec, isn't yeah. it? A few years ago, I remember at the British Grand Prix, he popped in the fastest lap with like, 30 you know lap old tires compared to everyone with fresh tires yeah that's like that's special stuff seeing max set those laps yeah very special stuff but then i go back to sergio again is it why wasn't he able to capitalize on a clear track that confuses me because i don't quite understand why he wasn't able to do it i then i would then sort of argue well we'd see a better challenge from Sergio but that never happened either I know when obviously the pit stop came from Max he had those medium tyres on so that that was obviously going to be sort of a bye-bye didn't matter how far behind he was I think it was always going to blow past him yeah but there was never a response that ever seemed to materialise and I can't quite work out why that really didn't happen there was a lot of radio communication to Max sort of telling him what what he should be doing which we never heard now you don't get all the radio communication during a race but it'd be damn interesting to understand what communication, radio communication between his engineer and Sergio was. Because, yeah. as I said, I would to me, I would have wanted to push and get away, get a gap right at that beginning. Then back off, then ease off, then sort of stabilise that gap that you've got. But he never got to that that scenario. So it was a it was a, a situation for Sergio that he let. He let some big points go and he let that sort of momentum that he had after Baku disappear. You know, it wasn't just yeah, he I got think that's what he'll beaten. be thinking, isn't it, mate? Well, yeah, he didn't get get beaten, did he? 
he got thrashed. Yeah, from ninth really? to the grid. It would be different if Max started the Grand Prix in yes, second and exactly. overtook him and ended up a few seconds up the road. The fact yeah. that he had to do all that hard work yeah. and he ended up winning the Grand Prix. I think all the questions we're talking about here and all the thoughts we're thinking, this is all going to be stuff that Checo sat there, you know, after, like today after the race going, oh, what could I have done differently? Why? Why, Why didn't I have that pace? You know, he's going to be, those are going to be questions that are going to be on the top of his mind. So he's got to then digest that information with his engineer and come back stronger because that performance he put in is not going to be enough to compete with a Max Verstappen across the whole season. No, but we discussed this again after what happened in Baku. It was down to Sergio to take that momentum, as I said, to into into this weekend and capitalise on the pole position that he got. But you're up against Max Verstappen, although he probably didn't have the, the best of Baku weekends. But my, 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 it's the bounce back that these guys are able to do. And it's it's the, the champions of, the, of, of Formula One that are always able to do that. It's the consistency as one. But you have a little sort of weak weekend where you only finish second, but you actually then get out there and you absolutely blow everybody out of the water. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting one for sure. One thing we can confirm, though, is Red Bull again, 1-2, <clears throat> obviously, with the result. They're, yeah. they're looking super strong. Christian's come out sort of, bit of a fighting talk saying where are mercedes and ferrari where's our competition <laughs> gone what did you make of those comments well i remember toto wolf saying exactly the same thing when they were having their domination period so it's a typical sort of cocky comment i suppose in many respects <laughs> because you know you know you've got a good car you know you that no one else has got a chance of beating you and and actually both of them were right when they mentioned uh very similar things is where is everybody else and, and you're right you know because or they're right because you would expect it like like we mentioned about some you know the updates that come to, from ferrari or the updates that did come you expected them to do something but they didn't do anything you know the race pace again was lousy it was really really poor so there's a lot of head scratching going on and this I think there's head scratching from Christian as well. Yes. Why isn't the why aren't the other teams able to challenge us? You know, we're a little few races into the season, but nobody's closed the gap. He's gonna be loving every second of this. Oh, of That's course, of course, he is. Comments, course he is. you know, sat there going, Where's our competition at? These are the years in Formula One that which as a you know, a team principal, some you hope come around. The years where yes. you're in a league of your own with no one really to fight with and you're just winning Grand Prix. He's just turning up and Christian's going Oh, I wonder where we're going to finish this weekend. Yes. Let me guess. Lovely you when know. you don't have to worry about yeah. anything. Yeah, that is a, a stress-free Christian Horner we've got this season. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you'd hear any comments anywhere down that line if it was actually a will-to-will battle with another team. You'd no. never hear any of that. Isn't this great? Isn't this great Formula One? Yeah. This is Brit. No, they never get that. You'd always never. be, oh dear, no, she's not good. Why are they sometimes beating us at certain races? It doesn't seem right how they're able to get the best out of their car. They always have sort of their little arguments over what uh, the other teams are doing. But yeah, his comment is absolutely right. And we want the other team challenged, don't we? Yeah, that's what Formula One's about. We need more people in the mix for Grand Prix wins. And, and one who's, I guess, taken the fight to Red Bull uh, as close as anyone has has been Fernando Alonso and Aston Consistently. Martin. Yeah. yeah, consistently on the podium. He's been, you know, on the podium pretty much every single Grand Prix this yeah. season, obviously with the odd occasional trip off of it uh, last time out in Baku. Yeah. What did you make of Fernando overall? Because it was a weird one for me, looking at Aston Martin, such a split weekend between the two yeah. cars. Fernando absolutely delivering and 
getting the maximum you feel out of the car and Lance just not in the same sort of realm as Fernando which is something that we've not seen all season long from Lance he's been behind Fernando fairly consistently but sort of still within touch in, yeah. within touch yeah, yeah being you know maybe a few temps off in quali yeah. dropped off him a couple of positions behind that sort of scenario but this weekend Agreed. just a, a mile off Fernando no I, again and, and I suppose it goes back to what we we discuss with Sergio and Max the differences between sort of those two uh, and I think you have the same thing with Fernando because Fernando just seems to be able to do it every single time he gets into the car he gets the best out of the car every single time and I think that's where Lance at the moment sort of has had some I would say some 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 good races but these are the races where you can't have these bad weekends now we don't know the whole story if there was a problem that maybe caused the lack of pace but uh, something we couldn't actually we couldn't see we didn't really hear anything during the race itself but yeah it was a very sort of average below average weekend I suppose so but you've got to bounce back from those situations. And, and in many respects, as you know, we don't want to have those bad weekends either because sometimes they're very, very hard to bounce back from, especially when you see your teammate always getting the best out of the car. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain uh, Lance Stroll was going to be thinking, um, when am I going to get my moment on the podium this season? I've got a car that's capable of it, but when yeah. is that going to come? And the longer that, that wait goes on throughout yeah. the season, that's just going to, you know, that pressure is going to start to build and build and build. And it's hard to sometimes bounce back from that pressure. Sometimes it can get on top of you and then the season can be over like like that. And you're going, oh, I didn't get the maximum out of what I had this year. And you're not in Formula One, you're never guaranteed to have a car capable of podiums week in, week out, season no. in, season out. No, exactly. So, yeah, so the bounce back gotta, got, gotta, has got to happen next time out. But you can't, you've got to learn to actually try and work out why you've had a bad weekend and try yeah. and eliminate it in the future. So that's something I think Lance has got to work very hard on. He has indeed. Uh, just a quick thought on Fernando saying that he thinks they can win this season. Yeah. A, a different circuit that, you know, maybe a more power limited circuit. He thinks that could, you know, bring Red Bulls back into touching distance and he could fight for victories. It's, I think for me, it's good to hear that he's got that confidence. Yeah, well, it, 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 I think it's always something you know you know, Fernando's going to come out with a comment like that in the position that in he, he finds himself. I, th I think there's probably a little bit of that, Billy, but I think there's also there is a there's a mental uh, positivity that he, Monaco. You know, there may be a chance in Monaco, but of course, it's uh, as, oh, we, as, we, special, as we both know, it would be special. But it's got to be the be qualifying special. as well. Now, I would say the the weakness is the qualifying. Yeah, it seems Isn't that it? way, doesn't it? And, they, and if they can, if they, can, and I've, I think we said this right at the very, very first race in Bahrain, that if they can get that sorted, then they put themselves in a much, much better position. Yes, he started second on the grid, which was brilliant. But once again, the actual race pace is still not able to to attack the uh, the the Red Bull. But then there's that question mark. So, well, if he say, well, if a power sort of limited track is something that will favour us. You're still not able to race them anyway. So the advantage will be less, but there's still going to be an advantage from the Red Bull. But once again, it comes down to he might know that there are some upgrades coming that are going to benefit, benefit him. So maybe that's where he has a, the confidence within the team. Yeah, that's true. Because we, we do need to remember that Red Bull have got that sort of penalty in season to take where their rate of development 
should be sort of halted a little bit in comparison to Aston Martin. They should have less time, you know, to get that car even better throughout the season. And hopefully that will bring other teams back into the mix. So we'll see how that unfolds. Still got the CFD. Still got the CFD. Still got the CFD. Yeah, <laughs> we've spoken a lot about CFD and the importance of it. But yeah, the wind tunnel time, again, you know, it, it does make a difference. And that's something that Let's see. going to be lacking a little bit towards the yeah. back end of this season. Whether that will spice it up a bit, maybe. we will find maybe. out. What about the red cars, mate? Ferrari, we've, we know they featured a fair bit in our predictions this season in our top threes. Uh, Charles, math. mainly at the start of the season, then they kind of went away from our predictions because their pace wasn't too good. Then Baku, all of a sudden it's like the red cars are back. You know, double pole position uh, in Baku for Charles Leclerc. This weekend, Charles qualifying just mistakes that cost him dearly. And I think from from watching this weekend, the, the mistakes seemed to knock his confidence. I think we were looking at a Charles on Sunday in the Grand Prix that seemed to be lacking confidence to really, you know, go for it, to really put it all on the line. Is that fair to say? Uh, again, uh, the the issue that we, we saw in qualifying is something that we've seen a few times this year. We saw it last year where those sort of uh, mistakes came into play. The Ferrari itself, you know, the, the Ferrari's damn quick in a quali- qualifying situation. And it showed that he was on a good lap on that particular lap. But of course, then he, they used that curb at, at turn seven a lot. Max had to abort a lap, as I mentioned earlier on, in exactly the same curb. So there is a risk to sort of overuse those curbs that are there. And of course, he overused it. It looked as if the car touched the ground. And that's why the car spun off the track. And then there are like you say, the the mental things that you have to deal with when you've just had a crash. And maybe, you know, he'd had a crash on uh, Friday as well. He'd had that a crash in uh, Baku as well yeah, in practice. So, And it's sort of always chipping away, I suppose, because you, you obviously don't want them to happen, but then they keep happening. But you can't probably put your finger on why they're happening. And then, as you said, in the race, it looked as if, what happened in qualifying actually sort of made it more difficult for him in the race. It just looked like from watching, there was a few overtakes where, you know, he'd go past one and then on get done on the switchback. I think there was a few with the Haas yeah. with Kevin Madison, where it yeah. looked like a Charles Leclerc that was, you know, firing on all cylinders a bit more, a bit more confidence, but have, you know, got the job done on the brakes, not given an opportunity to get overtaken back again and been on with the job and on to the next one. And it just felt to me that there was just that little bit of, spark that little bit of confidence missing from the way he was racing yeah but then i then i go back to uh saudi arabia where he had his penalty because he qualified second went back to 12th i think i think it was or 10, 12th was it yeah 12th uh and then he had a very leisure race there as well now that was after a positive qualifying so it goes back to again and then we have to talk about a little bit with carlos as well it was a bit of a, a lethargic race as well so that ferrari Again, like Christians alluded to, is where is this pace disappearing from a from a qualifying perspective? Good, there or thereabouts, not far away, and then it's completely changing when it comes into a race situation. Then we look at the Aston Martin; it has a good race car. May not have the quickest qualifying car, but it has the good race car and a better race car generally than the Ferrari. So I think it's. There are going to be those those horrible negative 
things that are going to come into your head when you do make those mistakes like Charlie's doing at the moment. And some somehow, hasn't he? He's got to stop it happening. You don't see, when Max did what he did, the mistake he did, he go off the circuit and hit the barrier, he just aborted a lap. There's your difference. There's a yeah. there's a difference between a, a mistake that is just, you know, you, you did the wrong line or hit the curb, ran wide out to a ball because I was I lost all my time. And the difference for someone who actually hits the hits the wall. Unfortunately, yeah. consistently as well. And it's not something we see from champions of the past, is it? These big mistakes, these, you know, like you say, actually hitting the wall mistakes where it's, you know, it's no. really costly. I, I think back to, you know, the years where Lewis and Mercedes were dominating. I, I can barely remember an, an occasion where he would have those moments where he'd actually go off the track, hit the barrier, crash out completely. Yeah. You know, it was like, a, same for Max, you know, when Max first arrived in Formula One. I remember that, you know, when he was, you know, t what was Toro Rosso back then yeah. and then first got into Red Bull, we saw those same mistakes from him, but he's grown out of that now. And a mistake for him, like you say, is aborting a, a pole lap and, you know, not hitting the barrier, just running a, a little bit wide, which, you know. Yeah. But I think it, those mistakes weird, from Max were actually with other drivers. They weren't yeah, throwing himself in the, in the wall. So it was, a, it was an aggressive, well, it was an aggressive Max that everybody wasn't very happy about. But he has changed from that. He, he has grown softer. out of that. Yeah, you're right. So that so he has learned to change and not even get getting. And it's the same thing, I suppose. Charles getting himself into those situations. Max was getting himself into those situations, and Max doesn't get himself into those situations as much as he as he was before. So that's something somehow that Charles has got to do. Because I think, as you, as you know, and everybody knows. You've got to push yourself to the absolute limit, yes, when you're in a qualifying situation. But there is also a point where you've got to give yourself a tiny little bit of a breathing space, ability to not overdrive, if you want to call it, put it that way. And when you overdrive, that is when you see these mistakes happen. And it's almost that there's such a desperation to get the job done that they, they've crept in. But you don't see it from even Sergio. Sergio, when he's got these pole positions, he's done it in a very, very consistent way. And you don't see many mistakes. You do it like a racing checker. You know, he's so, so good at being so, so consistent during a race. And he doesn't make these errors. He doesn't whiz off the circuit. You, you, you will make them in your career. A Formula 1 career or an F2 or an F3 or Carton or whatever it may be. But it's something that you've got to give yourself that little breathing space, I think. You might lose five thousandths of a second, just for argument's sake. But at least you stay on the track. It's a really interesting discussion there, mate. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some more of this after that. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back, everyone. So next up, let's chat. Yeah, we've sort of briefly mentioned, but Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes, George Lewis. George had the upper hand this weekend, Johnny. You know, yeah. it's gone his way this weekend. What did you make of the situation and a difference in performance between George and Lewis? Because I think that's the thing that was most noticeable for me was the fact, you know, we had George right up there in the mix. But yeah. Lewis, you know, didn't even get into Q3. No, but again, I suppose we had a little bit of that in Baku, didn't we? When George was sort of knocked out by his own teammate who was 10th. Yeah going into into the end of Q2 to, for Q3. And again, it seemed to happen again where should have Lewis really got into Q3? Well, I probably would say yes, because George did. So there yeah. seems to be, I don't know, I don't know if they're a bit risque or maybe a bit too confident that they're going to get there anyway. But that's not the case because we're having that mixed grid still. We're still having the Sonovas, we're still having cars that are sort of not normally there Magnuson you know we don't expect Magnuson to be up there like he was but they are and of course they're taking away those spaces you're expecting to sort of uh, be ahead of so it was it was a scenario that once again I think you know George did a did a really good job and and Lewis himself obviously struggled in qualifying and it was a very similar thing in the race wasn't it it sort of came back a little bit towards the end but it still yeah, wasn't... he made that charge at the end of the Grand Prix. Yeah. It did feel like too little, too late, didn't it? Yeah. He didn't have, it was, especially with, you know, Max coming through the way he did. It just highlighted for me the fact that that Mercedes, the straight line speed that they're lacking, yeah. it, it is, it's not a raceable car, even though the race pace in clean air is not too bad, you'd say, with in comparison to the Ferrari and the Aston Martin. When they're in clean air, they can normally, you know, fight on a fairly consistent level basis. But, the problem is for them, for me, is that the, the car just doesn't look capable in a straight line of giving them enough performance to allow them to overtake. Yeah. So what that effectively means is these qualifying mistakes or, you know, just missing out on a Q3 session and ending up starting the Grand Prix 11th and 12th, all of a sudden that is like a costly mistake and it's there's no real coming back from it because you know that you're in a car that's not really raceable. So qualifying all of a sudden becomes the most important stage of the weekend in some ways for for Mercedes, you get it right. If you're George, you get it right. You you get a good result. If you're Lewis, you get it wrong. You get a poor result. So it puts a lot of onus on on Saturdays. I think for Mercedes, having a car that's not quick in a straight line and doesn't seem to be able to breathe past traffic, which the likes of Red Bull can. Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing is, as I saw it as well, the actual car itself, when it was going through that sort of slow little section onto onto the sort of the, the back straight. It just looked horrible. It looked so harsh. It didn't have any forgiveness there at all. It was all, it's just all he wants to do is bite you. It's just ready to snap at your heels the whole time. So you've, you've got rightly so what you've said, the straight line speed problem. But they also have a car that's not very driver friendly as well. You know, we, we go in the cockpit of Sergio or Max. It just looks like a very, very drivable beautiful car to sort of you know chuck through the corners and you can chuck it through the corners but it doesn't bite you in any way it just goes through it in a very very smooth fashion but the guys are actually pushing it right to the edge mercedes 
looks awful. And it was harsh last year, to be perfectly honest. And it doesn't seem to have really changed much. Well, the actual, the whole car, the whole performance of the car hasn't really changed much. And I think that performance of George, I think fifth or sixth in qualifying is probably, that's it. Yeah. That's as good as it's going to get, unless you have a lucky session or maybe the car works at a particular track. But overall, like sixth, that's like getting pole position. Yeah, that generally is where their their level of performance at. If if they could qualify for a Grand Prix in fifth and sixth, that would at least put them in the mix for you know if a few things went their way in the Grand Prix to maybe sneak onto the podium. But you know, yeah. they're asking for a lot in order to put themselves on the podium. It's not going to come easy for Mercedes. You feel like this season, it's not like an Aston Martin where even if they have a, a difficult Saturday, you still think. They've got, you know, they're still confident that they can be best of the rest behind Red Bull on, on a Sunday. For Mercedes, it feels like everything has to be perfect for them to get that standout yeah. podium result. So, a, a tricky situation they find themselves in over there, mate. They're, uh, again, and it's horrible, you know, even at the beginning of the race, even Lewis was sort of saying, you know, we're not, we're not going to get to sort of the end of the race with these tyres because it feels awful. And then it did come right a little bit later on, as you, as you said, but... Um, that's comments that drivers are just very uncomfortable with the car. And it and it's almost, I think, I don't know about you, but it's almost as if they're blindfolded when they get in the car because they don't actually know what they're going to get. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. It uh, seems like a bit of potluck over there. So we'll see how that yes, it unfolds does. for the next couple of races they've got coming up. Uh, I think probably worth mentioning a few of the other teams that had, you know, multiple yeah. weekends. There was Alpine, you know. Gasly stuck it right up there in qualifying, you know, really good qualifying from him in particular. Esteban was in, in there as well. And then on the Sunday, yep. 8th and 9th, what I think, is that where we're expecting Alpine on a good weekend to be? You know, two of them in the points. Yeah, it's probably not where they're expecting themselves. No, nah, they would have wanted a bit off. more than that. But I, think <laughs> I think they at are. At the minute, that seems what they've got. Yeah, but the qualifying's not bad, no. is it? They're both able, Esteban as well, to sort of get themselves around that sort of 6th, 7th position, yeah. which... Uh, I think has been encouraging, but they've sort of been there or thereabouts since in the, since we're in sort of in Bahrain and Saudi, I guess. But I suppose it, when it comes down to a race situation, when they put themselves in that sort of higher qualifying uh, position, you would probably want to either hold that or improve. But of course, they're just slightly not quite having that yeah, they just race pace away, that they, they need. They just slip, yeah, they just slip a little bit further down. I know sometimes it's down to situations of maybe being in a gaggler cars and you lose time because of that but i think overall they probably their race pace is something they've got to work on but i'll tell you what's good it's good that both drivers remember at the beginning of the season they don't like each other they're going to be fisticuffs they're going to be fighting each other actually it seems to be a nice environment uh, for those drivers to be in so so hopefully there is going to be um some better performances coming their way but i know otmar zafner was quite vocal wasn't he about the team and about they've made a, too many mistakes uh, as well so there's there's things that I think just other things that need to get sorted within the team with with Otmar coming out and saying that. yeah I think that yeah they'll be hoping that this weekend is a bit of a springboard for the rest of the season yeah uh, McLaren you know that that's a team that springboard yeah they're, they're, they're springboard with the wrong way in the wrong direction ball. yeah because they rocked up with Tobacco with some great upgrades and had a wow. strong weekend and then you know, this weekend, just nowhere. It's just Oof, nowhere. nowhere. It's so hard to predict because, you know, if you're Lando Norris in that situation, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he's had a terrible start to the season. 
He's been waiting for Baku to come around to get those upgrades on board. He got the upgrades. They made a difference, it felt like. Yeah. And he was like, right, okay. Probably in his head, this is going to be, you know, more positive for the rest of the season. Q3s, points. Like, here we yes. come. Next time out, Miami, nowhere. I don't know. What what would you be thinking if you were in his position? Well, <laughs> well it's one of, the, one of those things, you know, we, we, we all like what Lando does does in a, in a in a car uh we all want him to do better than he's he's doing at the present time but that's just where the car's not allowing him to do that so then you sort of think okay so it's not really happening here maybe i should start i think we've spoken about this before but start looking elsewhere but then there is that question mark where if that is that thoughts there where would you go what ability do you have to actually suddenly put yourself in a in a in a top team and those those positions don't look do they as if they're they're there no i suppose from that point of view i think the one position that we've been talked about a lot or has been in previous months was that second red bull seat you know was with is yes. Checo gonna hold up and okay this weekend you know he had what you didn't quite he didn't quite hold mm. up but he still finished second so if you're you know yes. christian horner as long as those two cars are finishing first and second every grand prix the odds that Christian's going to, you know, ru- sort of ruin that team dynamic by throwing Orlando Norris into the mix with Max Verstappen just it gets more and more further away from being a possibility. So I think at the minute, like you say, Johnny, there's no room at the end of many of those top teams. No, there's not. But then, of course, you know, you've always got to be careful with it when you're within a team and a team that you you get on so well with everybody. And it's, it's like, I think, a lot of fans, Formula One fans, want McLaren to do well. McLaren want to do better. And if you give the drivers a better car, they will do better. But it's that frustrating period. Like you said, go back and you thought, oh, hello, this is looking a little bit better. Uh, and then it, it doesn't materialise when they go to a different track. So then you've got this horrible sort of mindset where you go, well, is it track specific for, for them? Is it going to be something that is, you know, it's going to work on a track if you got a Baku that was quite, you know, had quite long straights. We had them in Miami, but there's a lot of fiddly little corners in there as well. It's a tricky old track, I think, to get the complete uh, right setup and the drivers as well were making, a, you know, a few errors as well. So that's good because that's what the challenge uh, is all about. But Lando and even Oscar, you know, it's it's a horrible situation to see them in. But, you know, hopefully... Hopefully they will sort of find a way of improving that car because we both know it's mighty tight sort of in that mid-pack, even to to the guys that are further back as well. So it's something they've got to be able to do. And when I look at the result, you know, you've got Alex Albon there in 14. You know, even they're having better results during a weekend, which is good to see. Yeah. So uh, Imola and Monaco to come up, mate. We've got, you know, a weekend off and then a double header. Looking forward to yep. the, the doubleheader coming up. What are you uh, kind of expecting from Imola in particular, mate? Yeah, well, I think Imola itself, again, old school circuit, um, a track that uh, has some fairly long straights, but it, again, it has some very, very sort of tricky tricky corners as well, which is normally hard to get sort of the, you know, the, the, the right setup for the car, although they pretty much get those uh, close to that uh, nowadays. But uh, the weather can possibly throw a little bit into it as well which uh i think uh, is a possibility but as far as who's going to have the raw pace well the the one guy we want to see do a good job 
uh, in Imola. He's obviously he's going to be Charles Leclerc. Yeah, we, we won a Ferrari you know, in Italy. We won a Ferrari back yes, in the fight. On pole position. Even Carlos Sainz, yeah. you know, coming up with a weekend. Yeah. I know Charles Leclerc is always the first name in Ferrari we mention because he normally does deliver those special laps. You know, he delivers. Yeah. But, you know, both of them cars, if they can challenge the Red Bulls in, in Imola, that would be good, I think, for every fan probably who's likely to be Italian in the grandstands at Imola. You know, I think it's going to be a big Italian base wanting Ferrari to do well. So hopefully that, that comes to fruition in Imola. Yeah, and, and maybe with the Aston Martin as well. You know, maybe that's a circuit that sort of, you know, as as Fernando's alluded to with the sort of uh, the the power that is yeah, probably not such a big, big thing. Yeah, so that that maybe that will work in their favour. So, so there are these chances that we could we could see a, a, a challenge maybe to that Red Bull, but I think it's 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 going to be a difficult one for everybody to, to especially when we come onto a Sunday, to really challenge them properly. But let's hope so. Well, I think that's about it for this week's episode, mate. Yeah. We'll be back later in the week with a team radio episode to come. Yes, we will. And thank you to everyone getting in touch uh, with us at Lift the Lid Pod. Keep sending in your questions. Yep, yeah, we'll see you all on Thursday. And goodbye from us. You will do. Cheers, bye. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.